This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. As we kind of wind down this community series, we're going to finish it next week. I'm, I'm really looking forward. I hope you'll be here. Next Sunday, uh, I'm going to team teach with Pastor Titus and Pastor Amy, and we're going to finish by talking about what it looks like to be a multi-generational community. So they're going to talk to us about how we're building community in chapel youth, how we're building community in chapel kids. I get to talk to us as, as parents and leaders of what we can do to make sure we're investing in the, the generations coming behind us. I'm really looking forward to it, but today we're going to Settle in on what it means to be a welcoming community. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 5 at some instruction that Jesus gives us. It comes in the, the middle of his Sermon on the Mount where he's giving an extended look at what it means to live in his kingdom. The portion we're going to look at today is Jesus' instruction to his followers about how they're supposed to treat their enemies, how they're supposed to treat people who persecute them, and how they're supposed to embrace people who are different from them. Now, as we kind of start off, what I want you to think of is, is think there's, there's basically two categories of people when it comes to community. We've talked about this all throughout. We've seen it in the scriptures. There are insiders and there are outsiders. And when you have said yes to Jesus Christ and you have surrendered your life to him, you have been made a son or a daughter of God. You've been brought into his kingdom. You have been brought inside the family of God. And we've talked over the past couple weeks of when you say yes to Jesus, it's also a yes to community. He never saves you independently of other believers, but he saves you so that you will live in relationship with others. That if we are saying, I'm following Jesus, but I don't have close relationships with other believers, there's something wrong with us. We're not living in the fullness of life that Jesus created us for. And so, so we're made to be not only insiders in our relationship with God, we're made to be insiders in our community of faith. And, and so, again, for, for Angie and I, 17 years at Christian Chapel, we feel like we're insiders here. We know a lot of people. We've been through a lot of stuff. We have deep and meaningful relationships. We've got a long list of people that we know we can call in the middle of the night if something goes wrong, and they're going to show up and help us out. Now, the, the temptation of the insider mentality is that you kind of just close yourself off to anyone who's outside of it. And so what we want to consider today is, yes, we're insiders. That's good. We don't have to apologize for it. You were made to be an insider in the kingdom of God. You were made to be an insider in community with other believers. But as an insider, our calling is not just to increasingly shrink our circle of community smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until we're only with people who look like us, talk like us, think like us, believe like us, and have a long personal history with us. But our calling as insiders is to draw strength from this close-knit community, but also continue to move outward to welcome outsiders in. And what we'll see this morning in Matthew 5 is Jesus takes some of the most extreme examples we have in relationships to show us if you're going to welcome them, then you need to welcome everyone. And he gives us some, some really challenging words to consider. So if you have a Bible, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. We'll start in verse 43. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? 
And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So again, as we work through, Jesus is making specific application to how we love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, and greet or welcome those who are different from us. And so we want to understand that. We also want to broaden it and understand how the guidelines Jesus is giving us here are the essential ingredients to be part of a welcoming community. And so the the first thing Jesus tells us is a welcoming community begins with loving others. We will not welcome people that we do not love. Jesus doesn't start by saying, hey, open your doors to your enemies. He doesn't start with, by saying, try to serve your enemies. He doesn't start with, tell them that you love them. He just says, you have to love them. Deep in your heart, and, and he knows he's presenting us with an idea that is a, it just goes against everything that we know, everything we've been taught, and everything that we've embraced. And he's telling them, look, you've heard it said, Pray, love, your, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And what Jesus is trying to help us understand is if we're going to be part of the welcoming community that God created us for, he doesn't just want us to act like we're welcoming. He wants us to be welcoming. And the only way that you can truly become a welcoming person is if God transforms your heart and gives you the ability to love those who hate you. To love those who seek your ruin. And then Jesus presents us with kind of this this circle of reinforcement. He says, if you love them, then you'll pray for them. And as you pray for them, you'll love them more. And it kind of cycles on itself over and over and over again. And as we make the determination that because you're different from me, because you're against me, because you may even be advocating for my destruction or my ruin, my response as a follower of Christ is I am going to outlove you and I'm going to pray for you. And the prayers that we're called to pray are not just the prayers of David in the Psalms that God will destroy our enemies and make them childless and all these other things that he prays, but we're to pray that they will experience the same transforming power of Jesus Christ and that they will be brought into community with us. Now, again, Jesus is pushing us and and he understands that we might have some aversion to this. And so he, he challenges us that we have to love each other even when it's difficult, when it doesn't make sense, when it's not easy to do. And, and we can be tempted to think, you know what, I'm a, I'm a pretty loving person. You can ask my friends, ask my family. But Jesus challenges us and says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And so he's, he's trying to help us understand to be a welcoming community is to be a loving community. And to be a loving community is to push back the most basic standards of culture for what it means to be loving. So, so you might think I can applaud myself because my family knows I love them. I can applaud myself because my friends know that they're welcome in my home. I can applaud myself because my kind coworkers, the classmates I like, the roommate that I get along with, they know that I pray for them. But what Jesus is tell, telling us is, hey, don't settle for the minimum standards of culture or religion. And then just to make sure that his disciples understand what he's saying, he, in, in this passage, he gives us a couple kind of backhanded compliments that are, you know, borderline insults of, hey, you think you're doing this really well, right? You think you're really loving. You think you're really kind. He says, just so you know, even the tax collectors do that. Now, the tax collectors are the, the lowest of the low, the most immoral, the most evil in his society. And so he's telling them, when you're my followers, you can't congratulate yourself for doing the same thing the rest of the world does. Everybody loves those who love them. 
Everybody prays for those who pray for them. Your job is to love your enemy. Your job is to pray for those who persecute you. It pushes us past this idea of, well, as long as I don't hate my enemy, I'm doing okay. As long as I just tolerate them, I'm just fine. And Jesus is telling us, no, no, no. When your heart is changed by me, when you find your place in community, when you become the insider, your job is to now do everything you can to help outsiders find their same place in this community, even and especially those outsiders who you don't like and don't like you. And it's, it's just, it's not honestly a very comfortable teaching from Jesus. We would prefer to just pray for them to be welcomed in another community, right? I, I don't know. I, I probably told you this before. When I was in seminary, I had a job um, in, a, in an office in town. And, and so I would work during the day and, and they were flexible. They'd let me go to class. I'd make it up at night. But there were, there were a couple of ladies I worked with and you know, some like not my current work environment. I like all my coworkers right now, but maybe you're in a work environment where you tolerate some of your coworkers, right? And, but I was a seminary student. I had a, a calling of God on my life. And, and so I was being challenged in church. I was being challenged in my classes of, Hey, you've got to live with an outward focus. You've got to be aware. And, and these ladies, they, they had a lot of needs in their life and they talked about them a lot loudly and often. And, and I, I was just trying to get my work done. Uh, but I, I wanted to obey what Jesus had told me, and, and so I decided I would start inviting them to church. Just not my church. There was another church in town that I became the biggest fan of. And I would tell them all the time how great the pastor was and how wonderful the worship was and how they had these amazing kids programs and they had these amazing youth programs. And you guys should go there. And they're like, will we meet you there? I'm like, no, I go to a different church. But <laughs> But you, you should go there because it's awesome. And it, well, why don't you? Well, you know, I'm really committed over here. And, but I just think this will be a great fit for you. And, and what was I doing? I was trying to find the middle ground between what Jesus had called me to, to love those who are different from me, to welcome them in and the minimum standards of culture. And I thought I'd hit the sweet spot and later realized like, you know, they never went to that church. They had no interest in going. But if I had invited them with me, perhaps there would have been a little more opportunity there. To, to put it in the, the language of today, I believe what Jesus is pushing us towards is not just to love our enemies, not just to pray for those who persecute us, but he's encouraging us to adopt the mentality of the welcoming committee. Right? That, that we're supposed to be those who just welcome others in all the time. So when, when you came into Christian Chapel this morning, you probably passed some of our chapel hosts. And if you didn't know it, they were the people wearing the, the lanyards and they were holding the door open for you. They were helping you check your kids in. Um, if you're new, they were helping you fill out a quick connect card. They were showing you where the coffee is. They were serving the donuts this morning. They were doing all kinds of things in all kinds of places. Now, what we, what we believe in at Christian Chapel is we believe in strengths-based service. And so what that means is we believe God has given each one of us a specific set of gifts, and he has a plan for us to use those gifts to build up the congregation, the body of Christian Chapel, and to reach our community with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what we look for in a chapel host is we look for people who are naturally gifted at making others feel comfortable, right? So, so if you're an extreme introvert, Pastor Chris Godfrey has probably never called you and said, hey, would you like to meet strangers on Sunday? 
Because he knows that's not what introverts like, right? He, that's not his personal preference, but he steps into his role. He does his job. But, but for you, we want you to be in the right place. Now, now the, the beauty of strengths-based service is we get to serve in areas where we really come alive. If, if you're a talented musician or, or vocalist, you, you love when you can lead others in worship. If God has gifted you to teach, it's not a burden to lead a Wednesday night group. If God has gifted you with the gift of hospitality, you love being a home group leader. If you're good with kids, you don't feel bad when somebody asks you to serve with chapel kids. When you hit these lanes, you come alive, you thrive, the church is stronger, the church is better, and that's great. Now, the, the downside of strengths-based service is sometimes we can decide, well, I'm just not good at that. And when I go to church, they don't give me a lanyard. They don't want me opening the door. They don't want me staring at my shoes while I'm meeting somebody else for the first time. So that's not my job. And then you can think, because I'm an introvert, because I'm a little more shy, because I'm not wired in these ways, then God is just going to expect everyone else to be the welcoming committee, and I'll just keep hanging out with my few friends that I'm comfortable with. What I want to challenge you with today is in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' direction to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you is not directed simply towards his 12 disciples. It's not directed towards the most outgoing ones among them. It's not directed towards the extroverts. In fact, as, as you read through the scriptures, we don't see any allowances given for our personality to, uh, to, re to remove ourselves from the command to be part of God's presence and part of God's welcome in the world. So what it means for us today is regardless of how you're wired, God intends for you to be part of the welcoming committee for his kingdom everywhere you go. And you may never wear a lanyard at Christian chapel, but you have a responsibility for those who are around you. You may never be the home group leader, but if you're on the inside of that group, you've got a responsibility to those who are coming in. When you go to work, you might be the quiet one in the office or the most reserved person on the job site but you go as a son or a daughter of God filled with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside communion with Christ and his people and you have to be part of his welcoming committee in that place. It means in your neighborhood, you're the welcoming committee for the kingdom of God. In your school, in your classroom, on your team, in your gym, everywhere you go and everything you do, no matter what your personality is, you are God's welcoming committee. And the, the difference is all in your mentality. When, a, when somebody's serving as a chapel host, they come to church on a Sunday morning knowing, I am here and for these moments I exist for the benefit of others. My job is to make it easy. My job is to create a welcoming environment. My job is to be part of God's presence. My job is to let people know, not only are we glad you're here, but God has a plan for you. My job is to try to remove every obstacle that stands between them. And, and my encouragement to you and to me this morning is may we take that chapel host mentality into every place where we have influence and embrace our divine responsibility to be the ones who announce to others, you are welcome welcome in my life. You are welcome in God's family. This is what Jesus is pushing us towards. When you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, you move past, get away from me. You move past, I can tolerate being next to you. And you start to move into, I am here for you. And you open your heart, you open your mind, you open your life to them, and they begin to find their place with you. 
Now, again, Jesus, he never asks us to do anything that he either hasn't modeled for us or that he doesn't empower us to do. And when it comes to welcoming those who are different from us, this is exactly what Jesus did. Over the the last six weeks or so, we've been reading a book as a pastoral staff called From Your Biggest Fan. Uh, Jason Patterson is the the guy who wrote it. He's a friend of mine. And and in it, he just writes about how our job as leaders, our job as pastors, uh, your job as parents, your job as business owners, as teachers, as people of influence in any capacity. He says, your job is to become a raving fan of those that you lead. You need to get to know them. You need to know their strengths and weaknesses. You need to give them opportunities. You need to cheer them on. You need to encourage them. And it's been a a really great book for us to read as a staff to help us understand our focus as the ultimate insiders in this community must continually be on the outside to welcome more people in, to help them find their place, and to help them move forward in God's kingdom. And as Jason's writing about some of these ideas, he, he goes back to the ministry of Christ. And he begins to show in one of his chapters how Jesus' whole life was drawn towards misfits, was drawn towards the outsiders, that he constantly moved towards the people that everyone else moved away from. And he didn't do it just for a moment, but he did it over and over and over again until they not only knew that he saw them and loved them, but until they knew that they had a place in his kingdom. In one of those chapters, Jason shares that idea in this way. He says, Jesus was the master at helping outsiders who didn't fit the mold feel welcomed and loved. He turned misfits into insiders by inviting them to the table and keeping them close. It's a a reminder to us that when we talk about welcoming others in, we're not trying to do something that hasn't already been done for us. And so when when we say you've got to be the welcoming committee, what I want to encourage you to understand is, is somebody already did this for you. First, it was Jesus. Jesus was the one who gave up everything to come as man, to, to create a bridge, to create an opportunity for us to hear God's voice, to know him, to walk with him, to, to be united with him. And so Jesus moves everything so that you and I can move into his family, into his community. Now, on top of that, for many of us, I would say probably for all of us, when we first became Christians, God not only planted us in his family, but he planted us in a community of faith. And in that community of faith, God spoke to other people to take responsibility for you. So you weren't their enemy any longer. You weren't trying to persecute them any longer, but they still held a responsibility to love you and to pray for you. And as they loved you, and as they prayed for you, God spoke to them to be part of your discipleship journey. Now, if if you had some time this morning, you could probably think of dozens of people that God has used over the course of your life to help you hear his voice and do what he says. Men and women that God has placed around you who have been used strategically at key moments in your life. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher when you were little, a youth pastor, a youth leader, an aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, a coach, a teacher, uh, uh, whoever it was, God brought people alongside of us who did this for us. They were willing to be inconvenienced. They were willing to use their talents and their abilities. They were willing to do all of this for you. And now what they did for you, I'm challenging you to do for someone else. Because here's what we have to recognize. None of us were easy disciples. 
When you read through the Gospels, what do you see the disciples doing over and over and over again? Making a lot of mistakes. Getting a lot of things wrong. Saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person over and over and over again. And if you were able to stop for a moment and look back on your life, what you would find is there were a lot of people who put a lot of investment into you and you didn't always make it easy on them. Right? I mean, for me, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, I was not an easy disciple. Like I, I wore out some children's pastors and some youth pastors. Right? I wore out my parents at times. I know there were moments that they prayed and prayed and prayed and wondered, does God hear? Is God acting? Will this ever get through? And I had some mentors going before me who were like, I don't, I, Chris, I don't know why we keep meeting. You don't do anything that I say. And it, but they didn't give up. It wasn't easy, right? The people who invested in you, it's not because you were the all-star. It's not because you were better than everyone else. It's because God spoke to them and they were obedient to him. Now, eventually, if you walk that road of discipleship long enough, there's deep connection that comes. There's a real sense of joy that comes from investing in other people. But early on, if you're going to be part of a welcoming community, it has to be rooted in your love for God and your love for each other. Because if you think, I'm going to welcome others so that I can feel better about myself, you're going to be humbled pretty quickly. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be investment. There's going to be some disappointment, but you're going to keep doing it because somebody already did this for you. First, it was Jesus Christ. And second, it was the community of faith in which he planted you. And now you get the privilege of sharing that good news with other people as well. As we, we keep reading through Matthew chapter 5, we see the, the second component of being a welcoming community. In verse 47, Jesus says, If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. So, so again, he's pushing us to the idea of a welcoming community greets others. That if, if we're going to be a welcoming community, we have to be welcoming to those who are different than us. We have to extend an invitation to those who maybe don't look like us, talk like us, grew up like us, share all the same interests that we do. And, and again, unless we are tempted to stop and congratulate ourselves on how welcoming we are to everyone who gets along with us, Jesus stops us and says, if you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. So again, the bar for discipleship is not to act like a pagan. Right? It, Jesus is always going to call us at least just a little bit higher than that. And so what, what we need to understand this morning is when he says that we are to greet others, and, and clearly not just those who are like us, then the implication is we are to greet others who are very different from us. Now, again, it points us towards the idea of God's kingdom and local communities of believers are intended to be diverse. We're not supposed to be surrounded with everyone who's just like us all of the time. But we are supposed to learn, grow, be matured, and serve others who are different from us. And in fact, the phrase Jesus uses here is you are to greet them. Now, the, the Greek word that is translated greet here means more than just a, a quick hello. It's more than a head nod or a wave, but it actually means to embrace, to welcome, or to extend peace. So when we say we are to be a welcoming community and a welcoming community greets other people, it means we're not just putting on a smile and a, hey, how are you when we see you on Sunday, but it means we are making a determined choice that in our relationships, especially with those who are different from us, we are going to welcome them. 
We are going to embrace them and we are going to extend peace to them. We are going to do everything we can within our power that is culturally appropriate to help others know there is a warm embrace waiting for them. We are happy that they are here. We are happy that they are part of our life. We are happy to be with them. And, and you know the difference because you've experienced it. Have you ever met someone who is clearly preoccupied and uninterested in meeting you? Right, maybe it's in a large group setting and, and you're, you're saying hi and the whole time they're kind of looking over your shoulder. Like they can't wait for the person they really want to see to show up. Or you meet somebody and they're in the middle of scrolling through their phone. They just look up and give you a quick, hey, how are you? And, and kind of go on with their day. Now, now, now kind of check that against when you meet someone that you know well and they come and they just give you the, the great big bear hug. Right, there, there's no doubt in that setting that they're happy to see you. And, and so maybe for a moment, all of us need to stop and take some lessons from the, the huggers among us, which we just need uh, for the sake of us non-huggers. Will you huggers please identify yourself? So some, some of us now are like, okay, who to avoid? Okay, got him. Okay, so, so now, now we, there's not just two simple categories. Go. So help me just a little bit. Let, let's all kind of be honest. How many of you would say you are, you are comfortable hugging your immediate family members. I mean, I really hope everybody raises their hand. If not, there's a prayer room at the back where we'll pray for you and your family. You should be comfortable hugging your immediate family members. How many of you would say you are comfortable hugging your close friends? Okay, how many of you are comfortable hugging your not so close friends? Okay, how many of you are comfortable hugging people you just kind of know? How many of you are perfectly comfortable walking in on a Sunday, somebody you've seen twice, you shake their hand, you give them a hug, follow up with a hug, okay. How many of you are comfortable hugging people that you've never met before? All right, how many of you are comfortable hugging people before you know their name? Really? Wow. How many of you are so comfortable hugging people that you leave feeling empty if you had a handshake instead of a hug? All right, there's a few of you. Okay, okay, just now, now we all kind of know where we are, right? So, so I'm, I'm not saying that you all have to become the crazy hugger. Like on our, on our pastoral staff, we've got very varying degrees of hugging, and it's, it's well established. Of, I mean, there are times where like Amy and Lauren and Andrew, there are big huggers, and I'll see them coming, and I'll just duck out of the way and be like, find each other. Like just... You guys hug each other. I'll tell them at times, like, give them one from me too. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so, so you just, you get there. And, and I'm not trying to say that we all have to start kissing each other on the cheek, that we have to start like long hugs, any of that. No, 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 we're not going there. What I am saying though, is there is something important about a, communicating a warm embrace to people who are different than you. And that could be that you invite them into your home. It could be that you invite them out to lunch. It could be that, that, you, that you do shake their hand, that you give them a hug. I remember reading an article several years ago, and, and it was talking about the, the importance of physical contact in the body of Christ. You know, and, and the author was kind of writing about, like, obviously this goes sideways a lot, and we, we read stories about pastors and leaders that make terrible choices. But, but his warning was, may we never become so afraid of doing the wrong thing through physical contact that we cease to have any physical contact in the body of Christ. And as an example, he shared a story from a widow in his church, and, and she said, one of my favorite parts of coming to Sunday church is that I get hugs. She said, I spend my whole week by myself, 
My kids don't live in town. My grandkids don't live in town. My husband died several years ago, and I'm just alone all the time. And she said, I love to hear the sermon, and I love to worship, and I love to serve, but my favorite part is when people just walk up next to me and give me a hug. Because then I know I'm loved, I know I belong, and it's just, it's something that's missing in my life. And so my, my challenge to you, and my challenge for, for myself as well, is that we have to figure out how do we extend this warm embrace, not just to our friends and family, not just to those we're most comfortable with, but how do we extend that even to people who are different from us? And Jesus' challenge to us is never be happy with just embracing those who already embrace you. But look for opportunities to create a warm welcome for others to find their place in our community. And when you do that as an insider, it helps others know you're welcome in my home. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome with my time. You're welcome with my resources. You are welcome with anything that I can offer to you. And it's those kinds of embrace, those kinds of welcome that help others understand the transforming power of the gospel to create community in spaces where culturally there are only divisions. This is what it means to be a welcoming community to move past the bare minimum of culture and to move into the fullness of the gospel in our relationships with each other. So we're going to love each other. We're going to pray for each other. And we're going to love our enemies. And we're going to pray for those who persecute us. And we're going to greet and welcome those who greet and welcome us. But we're also going to greet and welcome those who are far different from us and would seem to have no point of commonality where we should be embracing each other. And as we do these things, welcoming becomes part of our witness. One of the, the greatest witnesses that the church has to the world is the power of a transformed community. So, so when we're trying to say, Lord, what does it mean to live in community? We're not doing that just for my benefit, just for your benefit. We're doing that so we can better share the good news of Jesus with the world. It's a way for us to say, look at the transforming power of Christ in the world. It's a way for us to witness. And so, so what I want to encourage you is that many of you, even as you think of what it means to be a more welcoming person, it's really pretty simple stuff. It means you're going to love those who don't like you. You're going to pray for those who don't like you. It means you're going to seek to embrace those who are different from you. And it also means you're just, with, as an insider, you're going to live with an awareness that there are outsiders. And you're going to do whatever God calls you to do to speak to them about the transforming power of Jesus. And really, it's, it's going to be pretty simple a lot of times. It's going to be invitations to lunch. It's going to be invitations to home groups. It's going to be invitations to church. And I would recommend the church you go to. It tends to be a better idea, I found out. It's just, it's really simple stuff. It's not overly complicated. It's, it honestly doesn't even seem overly spiritual. But when you begin to embrace welcoming as a spiritual discipline, what you find is the Spirit works through that discipline. And he begins to work to draw men and women to himself. He begins to speak in ways that you can't imagine. And what you thought was just a simple invitation to lunch, what you thought was just a simple invitation to church was actually part of God's divinely orchestrated plan to help someone experience the new life, the eternal life that he's designed them for. I was reminded of this two times last week when I heard from some of our Christian chapel members. 
The first was Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Titus was leading chapel youth. They had their, their big fall outreach, light the night. So they were, they were outside, if you saw them, having a lot of fun, doing all kinds of stuff. At the end of the night, Pastor Titus had one of our students share a testimony. And, and he got up and he started to talk about, hey, you know, I, I was just, last spring, I was in a really dark place. He said, my family's good, everything in my life seemed good, and yet I was being tormented internally to the point that I was starting to feel like suicide was my only option. He said, I was not seeing a way out of it. He said, and then one Friday, I got a text from Pastor Titus. And he said, hey man, today's Good Friday, and we're having a Good Friday service at church. We're gonna go to Andy's afterwards. Do you wanna come? And he said, but really that Friday, I, I didn't realize it was Good Friday. I honestly didn't know if I was gonna make it to Saturday. He said, but I, I like ice cream. So I said, yes. And he said, I walked in on Good Friday. And he said, Pastor Chris was preaching and I have no idea what he was saying, which is just such a warm feeling to hear, you know. He said, but after he got done preaching, we started to sing a couple songs. And those songs, they, they started to talk about how Jesus is with us and Jesus is for us and Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And he said, in that, that space, God began to speak deep in my heart and deep in my soul. And those, those chains of depression and those thoughts of suicide, they didn't just go away temporarily, but they were broken and thrown out of my life. Now, now what happened there? What did, what did Pastor Titus do? He asked a kid to go get ice cream. And God used it to achieve his eternal purposes. Right? Our job, we don't have to know everything about everyone. We don't have to have all of the answers they need. We just have to extend the welcome that creates the space for God to speak. It can be an invitation to church. It can be an invitation to relationship. It's just an opportunity. It's a space where the world can get quiet and God's voice can be magnified. The second opportunity I had last week was, was with a, a man from Christian Chapel and he was telling me about a, a season of his life where he was out of town for work. And so he, he, he's separated from his family. He's struggling with some depression. And he said, I, I was out of town and, and I just really, the enemy just started to attack me with these thoughts of suicide. And just telling me my life didn't matter and it's not worth it and there's no reason to go forward. And all, I mean, some of you, you've been in those spaces and you've heard those lies. And he said, in that space, I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll get online and I'll watch an old Christian chapel service. And so he got online and it was, it was from the, the Lazarus series we did a couple years ago going into Lent. And he said that the sermon he watched, he actually wound up watching it a couple times was the Sunday where we talked about when Lazarus comes out of the grave, but he's still bound up in the grave clothes. And Jesus tells the other believers, you've got to get those grave clothes off of him and let him go. And he said, I, I was here, and I was tormented and I was thinking about suicide and, and I just felt like God spoke to me and he said, you are alive, but you need other believers to get those grave clothes off of you and, and, and go. Now, now what happened there? What happened is every Sunday at Christian Chapel, we've got a media team that works behind the scenes that no one ever sees or acknowledges, no one ever pays attention to. The only time we turn around is if something doesn't work. Where's that video? Why is it so loud? You know, whatever it is, that's the only time we ever pay attention to them. And yet, because they were diligent, they were part of not just creating a physical welcome, but creating a digital welcome that anyone can access anytime, anywhere in the world. And one of our members in the darkest hour of his life, 
God used their talents, their resources, and their ability to create an opportunity to speak and tell him, you are alive. These are lies from the enemy. All it takes is us to make the decision as a church that corporately we will create as many welcoming environments as we can for people to hear God's voice. And individually, we will extend as many invitations and embrace as many people as it takes for others to hear the witness of the Holy Spirit that they were born to be insiders, that they were created to walk with God and they are designed to live in community with us. We don't have to know how it all ends. We don't have to be able to solve the problem from the beginning. Our job is to create the welcome. And through the welcome, the spirit witnesses to the transforming power of Jesus in every heart, in every life, and in every situation. Will you stand with me so I can pray for us this morning? Jesus, we come to you thankful that you have welcomed us into your community. And Lord, I, I wanna pray specifically for anyone in the room or online with us who they, they've been believing some of those same lies of the enemy, that their life doesn't matter, that they don't fit in community, that no one cares, that no one would miss them. Today, Lord, we pray that they would hear the clear voice of your spirit telling them that you see them, you know them, you love them, and you have a plan for them. Lord, we pray that your truth would come and break the chains of addiction, that your truth would come and break the chains of depression, that your truth would come and break the lies of the enemy that tells us our lives don't matter and no one would miss us. Today, Lord, we pray that in, in place of those temptations of depression and doubt and suicide and self-harm, Lord, we pray that you would come and bring words of life, hope, and freedom that we would know we are your sons and your daughters and we are welcomed into your family. And Lord, I pray if there are those in the room or online who've never surrendered their lives to you, may today be the day they take their place as insiders, where they walk in the power of your spirit and they take their place as your sons and daughters. Now, Lord, we, as a church, we come to join our faith together, asking that your spirit would give us both the desire and the ability to be a welcoming community. Lord, we, we see what you're doing among us. We see that you are drawing our mothers and fathers, our sons and daughters, our neighbors and coworkers, our friends and our roommates into a relationship with you. And Lord, we pray that you would help each of us to see the responsibility we have to be a community of insiders who exist for outsiders. Lord, may we see that your purposes and plans in the future months at Christian Chapel are that more of our mothers and fathers will be welcomed into your family. Lord, that our sons and daughters who are far from you will be drawn back into you. That our friends who want nothing to do with you, that their hearts will be burning with passion for you. Lord, that our coworkers and classmates who are bound up in addiction and sin, your plan is to set them free and you're inviting us to be part of that process. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us eyes to see the world as you see it. You would give us eyes to see our family, our friends and neighbors as you see them. You would give us hearts to love our enemies as you love them. You would give us the desire to pray for those who persecute us, to embrace those who are different than us. And Lord, we believe as we create that welcome, your spirit is going to witness 
through it. And we will continue to see men and women, teenagers and children transformed by the power of Christ. Lord, we will see sin demolished in the lives of those that it's ruining. We will see freedom, life, hope, and joy. We'll see marriages restored. We'll see families made whole. We'll see sicknesses healed. Lord, we just want to extend a welcome to others to a place where they can hear your voice. And so God, we ask, will you make Christian Chapel? When we are gathered together collectively and when we are spread out individually, will you make us a place where your spirit is welcome? And will you make us a people who welcome others into that experience with us? Holy Spirit, we believe that you are speaking even now to us about what we can do in our lives to be part of your embrace. And we believe you're preparing the hearts and minds of those in our community, those around us to receive the new life you're offering to them. Lord, we surrender our lives to you today. We pray that we would be filled with your power and your presence to do all that you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.